Welcome to Haunted Hospitality, Southern Stories Told by Spooky Gingers. I'm Robin. And I'm Zoe. And I have a story for you today, but first, Zoe, how's life? Um, life is good. Um, I recently went to the doctors and I had a conversation with them about how I have anxiety every day of my life. And they said, hey, that's not great. Do you want to do some drugs about it? And I said, I would love to do some drugs about it. So now I'm doing some drugs about it. And they started me off with a baby dose. And I have a telehealth appointment 30 days after my first appointment. And we're going to talk about how the baby dose has been helping me. And we're going to decide if we need to up it to like a teenager dose, I guess is what you could call it. Or maybe a tween, toddler dose, whatever you want to call it, you know. It's a broad age range of doses right there. Yeah. Um, So I'm doing some drugs about it. I haven't noticed too much of a difference because like I said, baby dose. And apparently Mm -hmm. it takes like three weeks to kick in or something like that. Oh, well that It has to like get in your system. And it's been like two. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. Well, I'm really happy for you for doing drugs about it. I and know. for having that conversation. I know. It was, it was, it was, I'm glad I did it. But just bringing it up in itself mm-hmm. is anxiety inducing. It's funny how that works. <laughs> I've um, wanted to bring up conversations like that. And the closest I've gotten is going in for a routine exam and the doctor is like, so you have anxiety. And I was like, how do you know? And he's like, because you're banging your knee back and forth. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. But that's as close as I've gotten. And there was no drugs talk. Yeah. However, I let, let me know how it goes. <laughs> I will. I will. And I just remember like when I was even a pediatrician's mm-hmm. office, um, they would give me this thing and it's like, check mark how many times you've had suicidal thoughts while your mother's sitting right there next to you and i'd be like i'm gonna lie about it (laughs) yeah and so on paper i've been healthy my whole entire life congratulations on the paper health yes so i've decided to stop lying to medical professionals yeah that's really good yeah i'm happy for you thank you thank you how's your life uh it's good um okay so we are in person we are in person and i'm petting your cat because she's letting you i know that's she's kind of into it. that's kind of weird okay so what i okay okay listen there's this book called verity by colleen hoover do you remember me talking to you about this yes because we were in target together because we were going to do something else and then we passed by a super target and i was like Oh my gosh, I have to enter that. Yes. So anyway, we were in the book section. There was a whole bunch of Colleen Hoover. And then I was like, I need to read this because I need to give my physical therapist back this book because I've had it for way too long. So between the hours of 7.40 a.m., no, 7.40 p.m. and 3.40 a.m., I read the entire book Verity by Colleen Hoover. Okay. Um, And it's okay. <laughs> Three stars. Um, I would recommend it if you are looking for a mild thriller that has some aspects of the whole like Jane Eyre, Mad Woman in the Attic thing, except she's not actively being locked away. And it's more like a, you know, I don't want to give things away. So just know, like, if you were like looking for a kind of vaguely thriller, 
honestly quite capturing book for like just to stay in your mind for literally 24 hours read it (laughs) okay i have to admit i'm not like a major colleen hoover fan i'm not either i'm not either but um i'll put that on the maybe i currently when we last went book shopping together in that same moment that (laughs) that um, same moment yeah i purchased like five books and Mm -hmm. so i need to get through that plus my previous library of books that I was on my to be read this year. Yeah. Before I try to like find any more. But I'm trying to re- read like the singlets right now. So like, so I don't get sucked into series. Like not a ser- yeah. yeah. It's been so long since I even touched a series other than Midnight Sun, but I don't think you could quite qualify that because it's not like I went back and reread the Twilight Saga. Oh. It was okay. more like I just need to know. That was really good. <laughs> like it's like as a book maybe not but like as Edward's perspective in Twilight read it. Read it. <laughs> if you ever want to, if you ever enjoy Twilight just go back do this for middle school you. Uh-huh. Middle school you will appreciate this. Middle school me loved those six days. Uh-huh. Anywho um, how's your life? <laughs> We already covered me. We already, we did. We did, we did. Okay, so so, do you have a something? Yes, I do have a something something. something. Okay, yeah. And we already ate it. Yeah. It was was really good. Thank you. So I made a peach cobbler. I found like a super simple recipe online. And I feel like that goes to the heart of what a peach cobbler is. And I have some fun facts about peach cobbler. But first, Robin, you said you liked it. Was it good? Was it genuinely good? It was genuinely, genuinely good. She came in. I did not know she was doing this. Uh She brought in great you. Brought in (laughs) a great peach cobbler well seasoned thank you and then ice cream to top it off yes it was just delicious well thank you thank mm-hmm. you it's been my dinner so far <laughs> i haven't touched the pizza i bought friends. yeah i ate one <laughs> slice of pizza <laughs> i ate no slices of pizza okay so um some fun facts about peach cobbler there's some debate on where peach cobbler came from the south or england though those who believe that it comes from the south say that the origin is in the hands of enslaved people who were brought to the south south and their black descendants okay so even though georgia is the peach state south carolina harvests more than three times the amount of peaches each year cobbler just means pie but they didn't try to make it pretty the first the term was (laughs) first recorded in 1859 peach cobbler and other cobblers are often served a la mode aka with ice cream oh i really didn't know that so when you said a la mode i was like okay (laughs) April 13th is National Peach Cobbler Day, and this was determined by the Georgia Peach Council. I'm sorry, what? There's a Georgia Peach Council? Yes, and they determined that April 13th is National Peach Cobbler's Day. How do you get on this? Peach Council? Yes. I don't know. I feel like as in, no, you're not native Georgian. You're basically. But I wasn't even born there. No. I, I was a... But Georgia is your say, is the the vibe I get. I do feel a weird sense of ownership to it. <laughs> <laughs> the peach cobbler was a 1950s housewife staple. Every year, Georgia has a national peach festival, and they serve peach cobbler that is 11 by 5 feet and 8 inches deep. 
Mm-hmm. The world's heaviest peach weighed 1.8 pounds and was grown in Peach County, Georgia in July 2018. And there is a book, which I have not read, called The Peach Cobbler Murder by Joanna Fluke. Okay. There's some peach cobbler fun facts. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I want to read The Peach Cobbler Murder, I think. I think so, too. I think that's like, I think that would be a good um, Patreon episode. Yeah. We haven't had a Southern Patreon episode. Well, yeah. Yeah, that would be a Southern murder. But yeah. But no, I, I get what you're trying to part. say. Yeah, I was just focused murder. on the peach cobbler. <laughs> the peach okay. cobbler murder? Is that the whole book? It's... You say that and my mind just hears the peach cobbler. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, Zoe, thank you for all of those yes. wonderful fun facts. And, and we'll have photos of the peach cobbler on our Insta or something, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like us... With pizza and peach cobbler. Yeah. Gesturing at it. Yeah. That's, we will be on Instagram. Yeah. (laughs) If you squint, you can see the peach cobbler. There we go. But Robin, do you have a story for us today? I have four because we are doing the third installment of Frights in the Wild. Now to just give a little bit of another introduction to Frights in the Wild. These are things that happen in the wild. They might be paranormal. They might be on the cusp where you're not sure, is that a real person? Is that a ghost? Am I in danger either way? And I'm thinking about entering in the possibility of some true crime to this too. But it is currently primarily paranormal. Okay. Now these are all like first person stories I find on the internet and bring out because I just love it. I think the woods are so spooky. (laughs) They really, really are. They really, really are. So this first account is one by Reddit user Reefer Kiefer. Uh Uh-huh. And it takes place in Texas. And before I launch into it, I would just like to say it does involve drinking and climbing and a little bit of driving and a little bit of being around guns. And I don't recommend doing any of those things together. Okay? Mm -hmm. Just full on out there. Now let's dig in. (laughs) (laughs) Yum, 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 yum. So our writer, I think that they are like around 19 years old. Okay. Okay. Our writer was on a trip with his friend to stay at his friend's grandparents' land, which consists of hundreds of acres in Texas. So they stayed in this place called the bunkhouse, which was a small cabin that sat further back from the grandparents' larger house. And there wasn't much to it other than couple mattresses, a couple chairs, a TV, some shuffleboard, just the kind of things that two teenagers would want, or late teens, whatever, I think mm-hmm. they're legal, would want on like the weekend, you know? Uh-huh. So ahem, it, this bunkhouse was right on the edge of the woods and they wanted to hunt and fish and drink, as he put it, <laughs> uh, for a few days. So that's what they planned on doing. They spent the first day of the trip in an area of the property called the Bone Yard, which I assume must be filled with bones. Yeah. They shot at bull skulls while they were there. Ooh. Yeah. Mm. That was just a random detail. They shot at bull skulls while they were there, and by the time they were all done, they had each had a tall can of beer, and the only reason I bring this up is to be just emphasize that there are certain things that are seen and people aren't certainly fully sober so Uh i just i put that as a caveat okay so they were driving back to the bunkhouse from the boneyard which he said was about a four minute drive when they noticed that the sunset was just really pretty oh and so they slowed down to watch the sunset because i think from what he's saying that they get a good 
vantage point of the rest of the property, which largely consists of a lot of woods. And so as they're looking out toward the sunset, as do... Hi, honey. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's Remy, my yes. cat. Okay. As they're looking out toward the sunset, something catches their eye in the distance. It's a group of wild hogs by the tree line where the woods begin. And that's not at all uncommon in this area. Hogs are very much... They have a very much of a presence there. And so they were just looking at the hogs, and as they kept looking at them for a second, they realized that it wasn't hogs at all. Oh? Mmm. <gasps> it was hard for them to make out an exact shape for these creatures, only that they looked hunched over. But the way they were moving was really odd, and they were moving in a way that was loping in the woods and in the underbrush that made up the forest floor. And our writer says they were loping in a way that was, quote, vaguely human. Ooh. Yeah. He used that word over and over and over again, hunched over and loping for these creatures, but he can't put a finger as to what they were. So he and his friend were now looking at the loping creatures, trying to figure out exactly what they were, but the creatures were moving away from them by this point, and they got to a point where they couldn't see them well, and so they were ready to move on. So whatever these creatures were, it did unsettle our writer and his friend, but apparently not enough to stay inside for the night. They weren't, like, spooked by them yet. So... They got back to the bunkhouse and took some beers, weed, and folding chairs up a small cliff. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I don't quite understand. He, like, describes the cliff. Anyway, they go up a small cliff with the intention to get drunk. In smoke. Yes. From that vantage point, they could see a lot of things up there. And so soon after they got there, they saw the creatures again. And this time must be at night because they just saw the sunset. So it's either like dark or almost dark. So they see the creatures again. And this time they can tell that there were three of them. But the creatures were not near them. However, they kept getting closer and then going away again. And the creatures were moving around them a lot. Interesting. So I'm um, the way he wrote it, and I don't know if this is exactly what he intended, but I pictured it almost as if, like, let's say you're the center of a circle. Were these creatures kind of maintaining a similar distance, but kind of weaving back and forth, but almost as if they're going around the edge of the circle? Because he said they were constantly moving, and yet even though there was a bit of give and take, they were always about the same distance away from them. Okay. Which was kind of weird. And he said that it's not like they could see them, the creatures, as they came closer and as they moved away. It's like they would look away for a little bit and then look back and suddenly the creatures, almost like, think like a jump scare. It's either closer or further away. Yeah, um, if I saw that, I don't think I'd be looking away. Just gotta say. (laughs) (laughs) I will look away from these dark, hunched over, lonely. He, yeah, he said like he said by the shape alone. He wasn't comfortable using the word humanoid just because he couldn't see the shape well enough to decide if they were humanoid or not. Gotcha. But okay. he did think there's something human about the way they were moving. Okay. But yeah. Okay, so I also want you to know that they did not start smoking weed until after they saw these creatures doing okay. this movement and stuff. That it, It's important to me. So, okay, they see these creatures doing this, and they're like, okay. So they get off the cliff, and it's at that point they get really drunk, which I'm glad that they chose to come off the cliff before <laughs> they did that. And they also smoke by the creek, 
Then they go to the bunkhouse and they pass out. They're like really drunk by that point. That night, our writer has a dream. In it, he and his friend hike to the boneyard, and they're wearing these furs. And he he wrote that he felt, quote, the damp, untreated hide against his skin. Like, it's a very, very specific feeling. And, like, they're just wearing furs. It's not like they're wearing furs over their normal clothes, is what I'm reading from that. They walk to the center of the boneyard, and they took the bones that were scattered around, and they start to construct a statue, like something you would use in a ritual, like an effigy, is Uh another word he used for it. And when the statue was finished, the creatures, the loping creatures, emerged from the edges of the boneyard and came toward the two friends in that same loping movement of theirs, and he felt it when the creatures started cutting into them. He said it was a, quote, cold sharpness that almost felt like pain, so close to pain, even though he was in a dream. And it was just a very visceral feeling to have while you're asleep. So he jolts awake. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. He is in a cold sweat, and his friend is sitting up in his bed. His friend is already awake, and his friend is looking toward the door. His friend doesn't realize that the writer has awoken. (laughs) The writer has awoken. (laughs) Um, His friend goes toward the window and looks through the blinds and then he comes back really quickly to wake up the writer only to see that the writer's awake and he says come look at this shit oh no they look out behind the bunkhouse into the woods and outside closer than ever before are the creatures and this time they are crawling on the ground the creatures were dark But even this close, the writer couldn't tell what they were. And I don't know how they just stopped looking outside at the creatures, because at this point I'd be really freaked out. But they go and they play cards. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be like, hey, can we go stay at your granddad's house? The bigger one? That's true. Yeah. They do have like a vehicle with them but yes if they're all outside i guess their thing is like well we're here now we're up now they turn on a lamp and they play a card game and they talk about the creatures you know the weird ones crawling outside that we can't tell what they are even though we're clearly outdoorsy people uh-huh and his friend reveals that as they were stumbling back from the bunkhouse earlier he got just this really bad feeling and he told him about a dream he had that night <gasps> No. About the furs and the creatures attacking them. It was the exact same one. Every detail was exactly the same as our writer's dream. They had both shared the same dream, and it seems like awoken at the same time. And then those creatures were outside again, you know? So the two did not leave their trip early. And this was only, like, their first or second day at the trip. Mm -hmm. I would have... I would have Yeah. The two did not leave the trip early, and that was not the last time they saw the creatures. However, he said that after that night, the creatures seemed to lack energy, and they weren't moving as they had before. They were... I don't know what that... As, they weren't no. moving as much as they had before. I'm just shocked that they stayed there. Yeah, I would have. I would have left. I would have been gone, though. When the morning light came... You know, do a quick cursory check out the windows, run toward the whatever it is, ATV, UTV, and go to granddad's and be like, hey, I'm gone. Peace. Thank you. Well, actually, it did add 
that the um, the writer's friend talked to his granddad about the incidents, and now the granddad, I think, uses maybe the bunkhouse for storage or for something similar, but doesn't let anybody stay there anymore. So the granddad did take it seriously. That's good. But there was something weird in those woods. Yeah. And the shared dream. Yeah. That's... That's a very specific dream to have. Yeah. And the fact that you're in furs and you're constructing this effigy and then they come at you. Yeah. I'm choosing to believe that this is completely fictional. Okay, you are? Yeah. Okay. That's what I'm choosing to believe. <laughs> okay. Believe what you want, Zoe. I, 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 I'm I, just, I'm glad your blinds are closed is all I have to say. Oh, heck yes. Okay. So everybody, I just moved. When Zoe and I were doing like we've been doing for most of the past several months, recording virtually, to my right was an open, like, open blinds. And so... To my left was open blinds, too. (laughs) Like, I would always furtively glance to the side, and it was worse when we were doing true crime, because then I was like, ain't nobody better be outside my windows right now. I really can't do it. Oh, terrifying stuff. But yeah. Yeah. I uh, I feel like I trust the writer. Okay. I kind of... I mean, he could be... Any, any of these people could be lying. Right. Any, anybody could be lying about anything, you know? Yeah. However, I'm just kind of going to go with it, yeah. I think. I don't like that at all, though. <laughs> but if I go with it, am I like, that's a coincidence of a dream? There's something weird happening. There's something weird. There is. That's like... That's, that's like devil stuff. Yeah. I really wish I had, like, a devil thing right after that, because that would be so funny. I don't. I came across a really great devil story, but it was, like, not quite in the wilds enough, and so I'm saving that for another time. Okay. I bookmarked it. Um, frights in the... Fright-ishes in the wild-ishes? Uh, so I was, like, either graveyards or things grandmothers say. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Okay, this next one is from Reddit user James Reed 24601 Uh-huh. I love the Les Mis That's thing. what it's from. I'm like, that number sequence sounds familiar. It sounds vaguely musical. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, 865-309. Jenny. Jenny, I got you. Wait, can you say those numbers again? Isn't it 865-309? No. 8675309. Yeah, yeah. 8675309. Yeah, you were almost right. I had, and now you I are forgot right. the seven. I yeah. The seven. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is in Kentucky. And it's in a very similar thing where we're talking about a family or a series of family because it also involves like neighbor's land where like you just, you or people around you own a lot of land so you can just go into it. Okay. That's nice. Um, so. <laughs> Our writer lived in rural Kentucky when growing up. Their parents' land was farmland, but it was surrounded by acres of woods and creeks owned by their neighbors. And our writer would go on a lot of long walks there all the time while growing up, exploring the land and finding peace in nature. When our writer was 13, they were exploring a remote section that it was clear no one else had visited in a very long time. There wasn't even a trail as they made their way through, so they were cutting a path through the woods and it was then they found a graveyard the graves were old the writer estimates maybe 200 or more years which is really really old yeah so i don't think there were dates on it and i just have to say that's incredibly old for you to still be able to read the names so i'm not quite sure but anyway old 
There were three gravestones that he saw at first, or they saw at first. One for Tom, one for Sarah, and one for Lucy. And then there was another one too, which they only realized after they tripped over it on accident and dislodged it. Oopsie. This one was unmarked and it was different than the others because it was much smaller. So the writer was like putting it back <laughs> <laughs> where they thought the grave was. Because, uh-huh. you know, they didn't see it happen. So they were like, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it's here, I'm pretty sure. They put it back where they thought the grave was and turned around to head back to their house. They were like, okay, I ventured out far enough. Going home, going home now. And after a while, they're walking through a field back toward the house. And this is when they first hear the footsteps. Someone was following them, walking right behind them. The rider stopped walking and looked at them and called out, Hello? And then they hear a girl's voice say, Father? (gasps) Poor baby. There was no one around them, and they were still very far away from any houses or where anybody else could be. The rider turned back in the direction of their house. They were like, I'm done looking around. And they kept walking, this time quickly. They didn't hear anything like that, none of the footsteps, none of the girl's voice, for the rest of the trip home. Okay. Nothing else spooky happened at the cemetery or in the woods at large they walked in for a few years. Not until they were 17. So when they were 17, they're sitting down, they're watching a TV show, and Ghost Hunters, I don't think it, I don't necessarily know if it was the show Ghost Hunters, but they were Ghost Hunters on the show. Okay. And they were using candy and toys to try to communicate with the ghost of a little girl. And our, I'm assuming our writer thought something along the lines of, hey, (laughs) I know the ghost of a little girl. So they're like, you know, let me just try this. Okay. And they bring their sister's Barbie doll. And this does not seem to be an actively used Barbie doll. This Barbie doll was in storage. So it's not like, okay, I'm just going to steal my little sister's Barbie doll for this purpose. Okay. They take their little sister's Barbie doll and take it to the gravestone they knocked over years ago. The one that was unmarked. They don't believe in God, but they bring a Catholic prayer Bible along the way, thinking it may be able to offer some sort of protection and basically not wanting to go out without anything in the way of that okay so they get to the cemetery and they put the doll by the gravestone and they say this doll is my gift to you and you may do whatever you like with it i mean you no disturbance and i hope you are resting peacefully okay first off i would say that i would never ever do this um i'm not saying i don't recommend that you do this i'm saying that i personally wouldn't just don't mess with things. <laughs> My whole mo- modus operandi is to not mess with things. However, this is much better than what I do see in a lot of Ghost Hunters show where it's like, uh, come out, come out wherever you are. And Push like, me down the stairs. Oh my God, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> Baggins. Yeah, so I just, I would also like to point out that I'm glad this person was being respectful with it. Yeah. Because I feel like most of what we see is just total antagonism. And that's just rude. Like, if you think that this ghost actually exists... You're being a jerk. Yeah. Zach. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so late the next day, our writer goes back to the graveyard because they want to see what happened to the Barbie doll. Right. Did they play with it? They also take the Catholic prayer Bible <laughs> this time. <laughs> and so something did happen to the doll. Everything looked undisturbed. It was literally in the exact same position the writer left it in, except 
for the doll's head. The doll's head was still on the body, but the face was ripped off. Ew. The face. The rider turned around to go back home. Uh-huh. <laughs> Very creeped out. And as they walked home, they were anxious and they said a little bit paranoid. Me fully, too. Fully understand that. <laughs> I'd be like, okay. Like, you know, it's the whole like, fuck around and find out. I'd yeah. be like, okay, I found out, I found out, I found, I found out. <laughs> so they're walking home, they're anxious, they're paranoid, and they hear footsteps again. Oh no. This time it is behind them only a few feet. The rider is keeping walking forward, and he, uh, they feel like they might pass out, but they keep going and looking only forward. They're not looking around to see what anything is. And when they get to the fence that marks the edge of their family's land, they take out the prayer book and read a prayer that was specifically about protection. Okay. Right as the prayer ended, a huge tree branch fell to the ground just two or so yards away. Okay. <laughs> the rider was shocked still until they heard a sound from the woods. Uh-huh. It was a gurgling. Uh-huh. A sound like a man choking and in pain. Uh-huh. A man, not a little girl. Uh-huh. The rider said they knew they had made whatever it was angry, and they shouted out, You can't follow me any further. I'm not scared of you, and I know you can't hurt me. So F off. That was my censorship. Uh Uh-huh. And at this, the gurgling stopped. And that's the end of it. I... (laughs) You literally... (laughs) I... Okay. (laughs) What another wonderful piece of fiction. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay, so... I think you chose. You're like, ooh, Zoe's gonna drive home alone in the dark tonight. Let me pull out the creepiest stories I can find. Zoe, do I have... Okay, can I just tell you how terrified I was leaving your apartment after every time we recorded? (laughs) You're like, payback time. I was like... Okay, walking down these stairs, walking down these stairs, walking across the parking lot, nobody looked at me, nobody looked at me. And it was like both paranormal and true crime. I get into my car, I check the back seat. I'm like <laughs> driving out of there. And then finally when I'm on the interstate, I feel a little bit better. But like, it's just, there's, <laughs> I'm so sorry that you're experiencing it, but yeah. <laughs> I think the thing for me with this story is that it was creepy, but kind of cute when it was a little girl. Yeah. I don't know if it changed. I, I like, I don't know if like, you know, if, the, if it's a different space spirit quote or being Uh or whatever or if the first thing was a gag yeah you know they say that the devil always presents himself as children (laughs) i told you i wish i had that for you (laughs) yeah the gurgling oh i don't like that at all (sighs) i'm getting the shivers Uh okay Oh my god. Okay. Next one, please. <laughs> so this one, <laughs> this one I really want your input on. And I'm not going to beat around the bush with this one because I kind of want to tell you to tell me if this is right or not. Okay. So this one, I'm like fudging the rules a tiny bit because this is strictly Frights in the Wild or things that happen in Southern states. This one was just specified as Appalachia, eh, but a lot enough. of Appalachia is in the South. And the writer thinks these are black-eyed children. Okay. And you are our resident black-eyed children expert, so I wanted to just run this story by you. Okay. And hear what you think. So, ahem. 
So our writer is 17. She is in the car with her friend one night and they are parked in a lot beside the woods. This seems to be some sort of a probably state park situation where there's a lot of woods nearby and it is very, very rural to the point that I was like, okay, this classifies as the wild because it's like you're right on the edge of it. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I think this was around 1 a.m. by what she's saying. And they were about to head back to their houses in order to make curfew when they start feeling just this ominous Mm. (laughs) feeling around them, you know? And so her friend goes to start the car. It's his car, but it won't start. And this is pretty normal because apparently it's kind of common for this car and it wasn't something that really worried him. And apparently maybe like you could try and try and try and eventually it would catch. So it just didn't work the first time. And so they're taking a pause for a little bit and they're talking some. And they still have that ominous feeling around them when a little bit of light comes in like from the woods so the woods are to she says like the light came from the passenger side of the car where she's sitting and so it's deeper in the woods and she said it was like the light that comes off of glow sticks okay and the ominous feeling grows stronger and from the woods come four or five children Mm -hmm. all somewhere between the ages of seven and eleven okay so no adults are with the kids uh-huh. It's around 1 a.m. And so it's incredibly odd for the kids to be there. There are some cabins that people will stay in and like rent out and explore the land. But it's a colder time of year at this point and they're not getting rented out. And she did say that something about them seemed off. And she specifically wrote, quote, they didn't belong. It, was, it wasn't anything she could pinpoint about them that's, other than the fact that this didn't seem to be a normal occurrence to see children in. The kids all stopped when they got out of the woods and they stared at the two friends in their car. And our writer's friend, the driver, asked the kids some questions trying to see if they needed help. He was like, well, where are your parents? Are you lost? And the kids are silent. They are not responding. There's a boy who looks to be the oldest, at least among the boys, and he wears a gray hoodie. He's a bit heavy set, and he comes closer to the car but he doesn't go to one of the windows. Instead, he goes and stands by the passenger headlight, still not saying anything. And the way she's writing this, it seems like he's blocking the car from leaving. Uh-huh. Specifically by where he chose to stand. And this all seems to kick in her friend's flight instinct because he locks the car doors and he tries to start the car and it's not immediate but the car the engine finally does catch and the kid in front of the car still doesn't budge and they need to get out to get away from the kids i guess and the kid is just standing there blocking the way and the friend starts to yell i'm going to run you over like not actually going to run you over but like you need to get this kid to move and you're getting really freaked out by this yeah that does make the boy move but he's really slow about it And he lifts up his arm and he points at the rider and her friend as their car drives away. Weird. So the rider did not know what black-eyed kids were then, and she can't remember if the kids had black eyes or not. And she couldn't see everything well anyhow because it was dark. But after hearing about black-eyed kids, she does believe these were black-eyed kids. What do you think? Because I feel like there's a lot of ambiguity to this one. 
So with the okay, so there is a popular theory that black eyed kids are alien, and I could totally see the mothership dropping them off in the middle of the woods to go to the cabins. Do you think black eyed kids are aliens? I think that's like a really good explanation for them. Okay, just from what I've heard, like that one lady who let the kid in, and like they ended up getting cancer and stuff like that. Oh, that story really freaked me out. Yeah. So like usually they do speak to you, like they're trying to get into your area whether it be a car or a house so it's a little weird that they didn't try to speak and try to get into the house but that like feeling of dread like looking at them and feeling like something's not quite right and even malfunctioning car those all fit within the black eyed kids territory the Mm -hmm. ages fits within the territory I wish you got a look at their eyes because, I mean, obviously that would be the humdinger right there. The humdinger? The humdinger. (laughs) But it makes me wonder, like, maybe they were black-eyed kids and they were trying to go to those cabins and maybe they just didn't know the cabins were unoccupied. Yeah. So I think it's legit that it could be, but since she didn't get the smoking gun evidence of looking at their eyes, you can't say with 100% certainty. Okay. Because, I mean, it could just be a couple, a few, like, really socially awkward kids coming yeah. out of the woods at 1 a.m. And a, uh, <laughs> or they see a car trying to start. Because, I mean, I, I've heard the engine of a car trying to start from outside. And maybe they're like, oh, let's freak this car out. <laughs> yeah. And if, like, they range from 7 to 11, then you can assume that that was probably an 11-year-old boy. And 11-year-old boys are the weirdest, meanest people. Yes. They, <laughs> they have the most random thoughts. And they use those thoughts for evil. They will not respond to you and block your car from leaving and will point at you. Yes. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) I have one final story for you from Frights in the Wild 3, name TBD. That should be the name. (laughs) Name TBD? Yeah. (laughs) What if it's like, these stories aren't about the devil, and yet... (laughs) (laughs) This is an account by uh, Reddit user M.B. Geibel. Um, And this is specifically... If I remember correctly, it's actually, it wasn't like an original, it wasn't a post they did. It was a comment they did because somebody was asking, like, I think in like a camping thread, like, or no, ask Reddit or something like, hey, campers, what are some like scary experience you've had while camping? Which, by the way, is amazing because you have people who are maybe like not prone to the R paranormal thread who are like this really weird thing. Yeah. Which is just a different perspective, I think. Anywho. Let's dig in. <laughs> so this is a group of college friends who went on a camping trip to the mountains of North Georgia. They planned to stay there, I think, for around five days because they said they had like, is it, he called it a long weekend, but I feel like if you have five days off, that's more than a long weekend. Anywho, they had a small break from their classes, so they decided to all go. And the five of them were really, really well prepared. They had a 10-person tent, cots, a grill, and even a portable shower because one of them used to be in the army and brought a lot of great supplies. And on Wednesday afternoon, they set out into the woods, and after hiking for four to five miles, they come across a rather large pond. As they head into the clearing, it gets quiet and still. Like, really quiet and really still. There are no small animals moving around mm. or making their animal sounds, and the wind itself seems to be holding still. Okay. Two of the guys, including our writer, immediately think that this must mean that there's a predator around. 
Makes sense. They brought some guns with them, and the two of them took them out of their packs, thinking they might need to defend themselves against a mountain lion or a coyote. Okay. So suddenly, his a writer's friend grabs him and gestures to the other side of the pond, and a woman is standing on the edge of the clearing. They aren't too worried about it or anything because they're somewhat near a small town like they had started hiking from the small town and so they're just four or five miles in and they figure okay she probably lives in the area or something so they turn and walk out of the clearing and our writer looks back once to find the woman wasn't where she had been before he's like okay and when they leave the clearing the silence stops and everything sounds normal again okay they hike two more miles further into the woods before setting up their tent and it's still light out when they start the fire. And when it gets dark, our, our writer and one of the women on the trip walk away from the group toward the tent for a while. And a few minutes later, the woman pauses and gets a weird look on her face. And our writer asks if something is wrong. And she says, nothing. It just got really quiet. After the incident earlier, it seemed to freak them both out a little bit. Okay. And so they go and return back to the rest of the group. They all settle in for the night. But when they get up the next morning, something is weird. They brought a pro- propane stove with them, but they had not used it the night before. And nevertheless, it seems like somebody had turned, something or somebody, had turned on the propane stove, but didn't ignite it to create fire. So all the gas had escaped without being burned off. Okay. So by the time the morning came, it was totally out of propane. Okay. That night, they put a lantern out by the fire before going to the tent, but when they woke up the next morning, it was gone. So, too, was one of the women's sweatshirts they'd had on a chair last night. I don't like that. I don't either. I don't think they like it either, but they're still like, okay, what's going on? Squirrels. Squirrels. You know how squirrels turn on your propane? Yeah, and (laughs) steal your sweater that weighs more than them. Yeah. So later that day, they are making their way beside the river, hoping to find a waterfall that they knew was somewhere in the area. Then everything got quiet, like Uh it had in the clearing, like it had in the tent. And our writer's friend, I think this is the army guy, suddenly got his attention again and pointed out the top of a nearby hill beside the river. There the woman from the clearing stood. She was still wearing the same clothes she'd worn two days ago. She wasn't walking, she was just standing, but our writer wasn't sure if she was staring at them or not. It was hard to tell. I think they were being kind of macho, or at least the friend was, because he tells the woman of the group that he spotted a mountain lion and is going to go scare it away so it doesn't mess with them. He goes away, comes back after 10 minutes, and he says that, oh yeah, I was able to scare off the mountain lion, but he privately tells our writer that he got up to the hilltop where the woman was, but she was gone. Mm. So it sounds like the beginning of like a camping horror movie. It really does, doesn't it? It does. Later, after they were at the waterfall, they come back to the camp because they were there for a while. They, I think, they come back to the camp only to find that someone has clearly messed with their things. He said the camp looked like a mess, but it wasn't like whoever or whatever it was had trashed it. Okay. They told, I don't know why they did this. They told the women on the trip that they were thinking it was raccoons. First off, I would just like to say, don't do this. Yeah. If you don't tell somebody a potential danger that's going on, and like, I'm not talking about kids. I'm talking about like an adult. Yeah. A potential danger that's going on. 
they don't know to protect themselves against that danger or to be on the lookout for it. Yeah. You are not doing them any sort of service. You should have... Because every... I am reading how these guys... I don't... When I'm reading this, I don't know if the women know that there is a woman around. Yeah. Because... Or at least I don't know if the guys have talked about it all because it's always the one guy nudging the other guy being like, hey, look. Yeah. Just so you know. But like tell everybody on the trip whenever you notice somebody weird especially since it's like oh we don't want the ladies to freak out it's like come on they need to know people go off and pee yeah this they would use the buddy system and they probably (laughs) can sense that something's wrong so like by being like oh it's probably just raccoons it's almost like I don't want to use the word gaslighting but it's almost gaslighting it's like yeah I mean because like at that point I think if I were, I think if we were thinking that there was a strange woman around who seemed to be often where we were, who for whatever reason silence seemed to accompany, and who seemed to be going through our things or stealing our things, I'd, I would choose not to be there anymore. I would choose to go back to the town. I would go back home or I would hang out in the town or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. And so like, you're taking away their ability to get out of it. Yes. 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 Okay. No actual hate on the writer or his friend. I'm just (laughs) saying in general, don't do this. Right. So, yeah, they told the woman on the trip that they were thinking it was just raccoons. They spent the night in the tent again, but one of the women woke up our writer by squeezing his arm. His other friend, the guy, was sitting up right then, too. Like, not... He was sitting up a little bit. He was still kind of laying down. It was the wee hours in the morning, probably 4 a.m. or so, and the woods outside the tent were silent they i even if they haven't talked about a woman i think that at this point i think they all know what this means because later they do talk about it so they stayed in the tent all aware and on guard for two hours because i think that might have been how long the silence lasted dang then as the sun gets like rises they exit and they make quick work of getting all their stuff together yeah like they are leaving at this point and they start on their hike back to the truck which at this point would have been six or seven miles away because they had parked in the small town. It was silent the whole way back, which I take to mean she was around the whole way back if we're going um, by the, like, the woods were silent. Okay. I didn't know if it was just they weren't talking to each other because they were freaking out. Anytime I use the word silence, it okay. is with that kind of eerie silence. Our writer kept his eyes open, like, on the lookout, I think, for the woman because he mentions that there were a couple of times, a couple of times that he thought he saw her. But he was never concretely sure it was her. Okay. And then they get all back to the small town. They get to their truck and they pile in. They're driving back. And then they talk about the women. All of them. And apparently there are different times that they all individually, including the girls too, thought they saw her or heard her. But they didn't tell the others in the moment because they were hoping that she would leave at some point if they didn't really talk about it. Right. And as they were all talking about this together on the way back, really for the first time, because they had all kind of been silent about it or like wink, wink, nudge, not wink, wink, but nudge, nudge. Yeah. They all realized something they had in common. They couldn't tell each other what her face looked like. Quote, Ooh. it's almost like it was blurry. End Ooh. quote. So that's the end of this one. That's so just freaky. this woman that you can't really put your finger on. And I mean... What's weirder? If, like, why is why is everything silent against her? 
around her. Maybe because of the predator thing? Is like, she the predator? Yeah. yeah. I mean, and then is that like a natural or a supernatural thing, you know? Yeah. Oh, but that's creepy. I think it's so good they got out when they did because there are certain things that are like, it's one thing to be a person who lives in the woods, who sees a group, follows them a little bit because you know they, you need their supplies. And it's another thing to mess with them. Yeah, that definitely felt like she was getting a little bit bolder each time. Yes, yes. Okay, so it went from the weird thing with the propane, which could be like, you could have an ambitious squirrel, perhaps. (laughs) Um, And then you have stealing their lantern, stealing the sweatshirt. But at that point, that seems to be like still survival stuff. Like, I can think like that you're not a creepy person and you need to live or whatever. Mm -hmm. But then seeing them on the way to the waterfall and using that time to mess with their... Because he he doesn't say anything was missing. Yeah. He just says it was messed with. And then to be, I'm assuming, outside of their tent from like 4 a.m. to 6 a.m. or something, and then to presumably be following them back on the way home because it's silent and they said... Some of them... Like, he said that he saw her a couple times but wasn't completely sure... So, you know how I told you back when we went to tour Asheville that, like, whenever I see something or hear something that, like, is ghosty, like, my eyes prickle, like, I need to cry? Yeah. That's happening right now. I just want to let you know. Really? Yeah. Like, this one's freaking me out. This one, I, I'm actually really, really happy that that's your reaction (laughs) because I read this and I was like, to me, this is the scariest one, but I was like, can my creep factor on this transfer to other people or is that just like a very personal creep factor of what is this and why are they following me that just it just feels like you're in danger i think they were yeah i genuinely think they were like it was trying to like take away their supplies until they were lost in the woods or something yes yeah it felt oh honestly good on that army guy because he was like he was on it every time Mm -hmm. he like it seems that he was the first to see her and I'm assuming that's probably because of like training you're very (laughs) very aware you know yeah so good on that but yeah that everything else would creep me out a whole bunch but that's the thing that if I were like in the woods with that Mm -hmm. I would never be in the woods again (laughs) yeah I actually think this might have been the one I think this might have been the one where at the end of it the writer said I've never camped or hiked overnight before ever since I, I, I would that. completely understand. Yeah, me too. So that's my Frights in the Wild. <laughs> what four perfectly fictional stories that you brought to us? <laughs> They're fake. They were 100% <laughs> fake. At least yeah. I am choosing to believe that. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for listening. That was a good one. Thank you so much, Robin. Thank you. I, I had a lot of fun researching this. And then yeah. I had a lot of nights where I slept with the light on researching <laughs> this. Okay, so everybody, if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate, subscribe, review, tell a friendo, subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash hauntedhospitality. For just $3 a month, you get a new episode with us. Yes, and it comes out on the 13th because we're spooky. Ooh. And the one for March is very, very special. Yes. <laughs> You can see Robin's sources at hauntedhospitality.wordpress.com. Mm-hmm. Or if you have your own spooky story, maybe your own frights in the wild, it would be awesome <sighs> to have a listener's episode version I, I of really that. I really would, yeah. So please write to us at hauntedhospitalitypodcast at gmail.com. Or you can slide into our DMs. Yes, we are on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at hosta- 
Haunted Hospitality. <laughs> I know our handle. I know our podcast. Uh-huh. And then we are on Twitter at Haunted House. Hope to see you there. Stay, Stay spooky. spooky.